Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Fizzle Show. I'm your host, Corbett Barr, and this is our podcast about earning a living independently doing something that you really care about. And today is a special Friday member-focused episode. We have a Q&A episode for you today, and we're joined by our friend and Fizzle member, Vicki Velasquez from Vegetarian Zen. Vicki, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for being here and joining us on Q&A day. And we also have Jen Rayal from the Fizzle team. Hey, Jen. Hey, Corbett. Hey, Vicky. Hello. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Jen, for being here as well. Uh, let's go ahead and jump right into the questions. What do we have up first today? Okay. First question is from Fizzle member Ingrid. Uh, she wants to share the progress on her big picture coaching. So just for some background for everyone, um, Ingrid is an illustrator and she's offering a coaching package where she helps her client find clarity by they describe how they want to help uh, and make a difference in their work. And she actually illustrates it and creates these incredible masterpieces that they then use for inspiration and to stay clear on their branding and their messaging. Um, and hopefully I wrap that up good for you. Ingrid. So, so just to, <laughs> yeah, just to maybe talk this through a sec. So if uh, you're a client of Ingrid's, then she will listen to your business plan or grand idea and illustrate that for you so that you can better understand your vision through visuals. Yes. And she does the drawings live. So you get to see it come to life. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. And you can see some of her work at bigpicture.ingridill.dk. And we will put that link in the show notes. Great. So uh, this is what she has to ask. Um, she wanted to share some progress on her big picture coaching. I have sold two sessions so far. Yay. I love doing them. And I received an enthusiastic response. I would do many, many more. I want to offer an upsell follow-up product. In the coaching, I sketch out a website structure for them and they quite likely want me to design it. So the idea is either one, the big picture of your business to our visual coaching, uh, two, your illustrated brand, visual identity and illustration in three price tiers. Now I have to find out what to share on my illustrated blog to come on and on social media. Um, I don't know if it should be my life as an entrepreneur or illustrated branding tips or both. Any feedback? Mm. So um, I'll be curious uh, about what Vicky has to think about this. But um, from my perspective, I would be asking myself, what is the major problem or pain point that would lead someone to look for this as a solution? And uh, to me, it would be that I felt a lack of clarity around um, what I was trying to do for my business or my career or something like that. Uh, uh, I was having trouble maybe coming up with a business plan or articulating my message or just like I said, finding, finding a lack of clarity or something. And so I would be trying to figure out what are people actually typing into the search engines when they're looking for solutions to this kind of problem. And that could be a couple of things. Um, one, if there's other solutions to this problem, they might be typing in what that solution is specifically. And I, I don't know what that is exactly, but there could be um, there could be someone out there who has like a YouTube channel that helps people come to clarity on these sorts of things. There could be books out there, um, or there could be techniques or something that people are teaching to help you gain clarity that you might be a competitor for. 
So you could be looking for those sorts of things that people might be typing in. And then you could just be looking for the general things that people are typing in, like um, how do I come up with a vision for my business or uh, how do I write a mission statement for my business idea or something like that. And then you could be writing articles on your blog about those topics. And when people find um, your site, then you can explain at the bottom of those posts who you are and what you do and how your offering might help them come to clarity. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I was going to just add, just to emphasize uh, the importance of looking at the competition or people in your your niche as well. And so we do that quite often. In fact, I belong to several vegan, vegetarian Facebook groups just to kind of see and listen to the language that people are using. Because obviously our closed Facebook group is a great resource because we hear directly from our folks, but they're kind of already our folks, right? So we want to hear, you really have to keep your ear to the ground in, in other areas to hear what are, the, what are the common themes and what are you hearing from other people as well. So definitely agree. I, I go to other websites that are, even though there's not any Thing, really there's a lot of food blogs in our space but not a lot of uh, uh, other of our competition that talks about products and for, has that kind of all under one umbrella which is actually what helped us distinguish ourselves a little bit differently so definitely would emphasize the importance of going out to other similar sites and, and competition to see what they're doing Yes. And Ingrid, you want to think about once you actually get people to your site, um, what's going to keep them sticking around and wanting more from you? Are they coming to your site to learn about your life as an entrepreneur or is there more um, of a focus on your talents, which is the illustrated branding? Uh, so I, I would lean that way and then use the tips that Corbett and Vicky mentioned already. Yeah. And the other thing is, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, reasonable, I think for Ingrid to be asking herself, are there other things that I can layer on to this? Because selling a, a one, you know, one hour session with people is a hard way to make a living, right? Um, because each client is only worth one hour of your time and it's kind of difficult to, to make it that way. So either she would have to find a lot of clients that she can serve, um, or figure out ways to layer on other services and make each client worth more to her. If she's planning to look for more clients and just wants to do more of these sessions, I would be asking myself, are there people or places where I could deliver a bunch of these sessions all at once, as opposed to having to find each client myself and deliver each one and then look for the next client, um, unless eventually she's popular enough for that to work out. But she might be able to find, for example, a conference organizer who wants to offer this sort of thing as an add-on benefit for people who attend the conference. Wouldn't that be cool if you went to a conference and Ingrid was there in a, in a room and you got to book a time with her and just go in and do that. And then she was there you know, for three days straight cranking these things out. Um, that would be a cool way to maybe line up a bunch of sessions all at once. And she has replied with a hearty yes in the chat box. She's looking for that. Okay, awesome. Okay. Thanks for the question, Ingrid. Yes, and everyone go check out Ingrid's site and her illustrations. They are incredible and we love them. Yeah, that was bigpicture.ingridlil.dk and uh, that will be in the show notes over at fizzleshow.co. Yes. Okay, next question is from Leo and he runs italianwithleo.com. 
So he says, as you may know, I make a digital magazine for lovers and teachers of Italian. The magazine is packed with materials, but they can be used in class and online courses. I think I have a great product, but the world doesn't know yet. I've called it and priced it as a digital magazine, so 9 euros for the basic version, 15 euros for the full version with audio, video, keys, and one online group training. As it is now, the product is working as a way of qualifying leads and positioning me as an expert, but it's not sustainable. Potential clients are individual students, teachers and online tutors, schools. So I'm puzzling over the following. How do I differentiate price and features? I can't sell the same product at the same price to different groups. To one, it may be worth nine euros and to another 99. For teachers in schools, how do I get them to share the magazine with their audiences? How shall I figure out what currency they expect in exchange? It would be great if I could pick your brain on this, uh, as I never wanted this to be an expensive hobby. Thank you. Mm, that's where a lot of us get stuck, right? Is um, trying to build a business and then finding out that it has a lot of expenses involved, it takes a lot of our time, and we just don't end up really making a lot from it. And um, the expensive hobby, that's kind of like the friend zone version of a business, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Vicki, um, do you have any thoughts for, for Leo on this? Well, I was going to say that um, I think it's important that when you have, so he has two, and, and I, I've talked to Leo on many Fizzle Fridays too, so I'm kind of familiar with his business already. Um, but in distinguishing between the two, I guess I'm still, I'm not clear on what is the difference between the 15 version and the nine. I mean, I know he spelled it out like with the video and that, but I think that whenever you like are looking to uh, like the free versus premium version of something, um, you really have to be clear about not just what the differentiators are, but who the target audience is as well for that. So I think that's what I am not clear about. Yeah, and I, I think it, that that's a good point. And um, I think that he was saying that he wanted to charge different amounts based on who the audience was and the kind of value that they would be getting. And, and the differentiation might be that there was more media involved in uh, the higher price packages. I think part of the problem that, that um, Leonard might be facing here is that a magazine in a lot of people's minds is a specific kind of thing, right? A magazine is something that you pick up at the newsstand, maybe at the grocery store. They generally cost under $10. A lot of them seem to be like $6. And you kind of thumb through them quickly, um, you know, maybe in a, a light afternoon while you're sitting poolside or something. And um, it's not something that you're necessarily looking to gain a lot from spend a lot on uh, or really dwell over. And Leonard may be simply doing himself a disservice by packaging up the things that he's doing in that magazine format because he's really swimming against what everyone already knows a magazine to be. And then on top of that, he's also layering on the idea that this is a digital magazine. And you know, I don't know about you guys, but I tend to get a lot of free digital magazines these days, uh, just with like, I think with Amazon Prime, there's a bunch of free magazines in the, in the newsstand and, and so on, maybe with 
maybe with Apple um, as well. And so he might just be doing himself a disservice, as I said, by spending all of this hard um, you know, time and effort on building these, what are probably very useful language learning tools and then packaging them up into a format that people just don't expect to spend much on. So instead of going the magazine route, um, I know that he's been working on this for quite some time. Maybe it's time to start thinking about doing this in a different way. Maybe he could be looking at creating an online course or some sort of an immersion program that's that's delivered digitally or, or something like that where he's able to earn more per customer and it's in a format that they expect to spend more to begin with. And one thing that we know about Leo is that he has developed a, a following on YouTube. So he has almost 7,000 followers on YouTube, but what I don't see on his website right now is anywhere to capture email addresses. Mm. Um, so Leo, you're not here with us right now, but I just wonder if you if you have been building an email list, if you're developing that sort of relationship uh, so that you can actually talk to your people and sell them what they need and want. Great questions. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Leonard, for the question. Um, this is a, a tough one. I can't say that I have met anyone over the years who has been really successful with digital magazines. And um, that might just be a limitation of the format. Mm -hmm. You know, I even had a, um, then this is kind of where I was, what I was thinking of when we were talking about that question is I had a subscription to Guitar Magazine for a long time. And then um, but they send a lot of free stuff too. So I, I guess I've, I, I, in my mind, I wasn't really clear, like, what am I getting with this actually versus what you're getting, giving me on the website. So just going back to what I was saying, I think you just have to be kind of clear too. This is what you get with this particular package, but I totally agree with you. What you're saying, I think the digital magazine space is, is kind of challenging anyways. Yep. Great. What do we have next, Jen? Okay, so our next question is from Alexis, and he runs 100toys.com, so all spelled out, no, no numbers there, 100toys.com. So he runs this site, and it focuses on play for un, uh, children under five. We started out as a pure e-commerce business, but my aim has always been to add a mix of info products. And I've written six or seven eBooks, some of them fairly needy in size. One is for sale and I use the others as lead magnets. Do I continue with eBooks or switch to courses and videos? That's the big question. My customers are busy parents with little time. And even though I love the idea of creating in-depth courses with lots of nice videos, it wouldn't be the right format for them. Or maybe I just continue to use the info products to help sell the physical products. The website's uh, unique selling proposition is that we say children have too much stuff, as we all do, and that you should buy them fewer, if any, toys. We offer lots of info to guide parents on how to get by with less. This is commercial suicide for an e-commerce business, of course, and it's one of the reasons I want to have more info products as these can make up for the revenue loss by our unorthodox approach. What would you recommend? Is it worth creating a minimum viable product of a course to test the waters? Um, or is my audience big enough to sustain the info products? And just for a little bit of background, so uh, 100 Toys, they have, I think, around 15,000 
um, on their email list and their Facebook group. So he's, he's working with you know, a fair amount of numbers right now. Okay. And um, the physical product again, what was it? Well, the physical products are toys and then the info products are about uh, living with less and being more adventurous with your children and, and teaching your children how to enjoy life with less toys. Mm. And the, the course would be aimed at parents on teaching them how to limit the toys that their kids have? Yeah. Does that sound right? This is interesting, right? Because um, anytime that you're selling something for children, in a way, the customer is the parent, right? Because if you're selling a toy, the parent is the one that's going to be buying the toy or a, you know, a friend or a, an aunt or an uncle or something like that. So the, the customer isn't necessarily the, the um, child, but the consumer of a toy is the child. The consumer of a course or an ebook is going to be the parents. So they're they're very different. Um, I'm guessing that the people who are reading his site and you know and, and signing up for his email list and, and whatnot are parents as well. Um, the question is, would a parent be interested in taking an online course on this topic? And I, I don't know enough depth here on this, um, but that would be a concern I would have on this topic. Is are there people out there who are willing to pay for and to take? an online course, a full online course that talks about the 100 toys method or whatever it is that uh, they're trying to teach. And so um, I would just be looking for ways to um, mitigate that risk or address that risk before I sat down and created this in-depth online course. I would be doing a couple of things. One is you could be publishing some free videos on YouTube and see how people react to those. Another is you could be holding some webinars or uh, free live sessions or something where you're talking about this to see if people will actually show up and attend. Um, just because, again, I would be worried that I would create this online course only to find out that people weren't really interested in this thing. But the, the conundrum here is, again, he is coaching people to consume less, and yet his business relies on people consuming. So it is quite a pickle that that um, they put themselves in here. Any other thoughts, Jen or Vicky? I definitely agree. I think that I, what he even said in his own statement, it sounds a little like it's contra it's it's contradictory to what he's he's doing too. It sounds almost like two minimally two separate businesses, but but you have it, it's like um uh. I, I, like having, I couldn't have a vegetarian and a barbecuing site too. You know what I mean? They're, they're like two separate things. Kind yeah. of seems like. We, yeah, yeah, I, I get that, and I, I guess um, you, you know, you. I think that they're selling toys that are maybe a little bit more flexible and that can be one of those 100 toys or or whatever it is. Yeah, that trying to I guess limit. I just don't yes. know enough about the site of what he's yes. selling. The, is it like toys that would actually help you minimize like maybe one toy could be yeah. five toys or something like that. That would be yeah. kind of cool. I checked out his site and what he has on offer, what they have on offer definitely fits the ethos of the brand. I mean, one of the things is, you know, I follow a lot of minimalism bloggers. They still sell books, right? So I think that um, there can be a way around this what I had asked him back in the forums was you know should he focus on on building even higher numbers than the you know fi around 15 to 20,000 so that he can 
you know, create a sustainable amount of income off of the lower priced eBooks that uh, were well received already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a really um, well done site. Again, the the URL is all spelled out, 100toys.com, and they've got a manifesto on here, um, which is pretty interesting. So um, sorry that we don't have much more to share. Of course, you're reaching three childless people on this call. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, yeah. That, that, <laughs> that might be part of the issue. Um, but thank you so much for the question. And um, is that it for today, Jen? Those are the questions I have, yes. Okay, fantastic. Well, I appreciate you both being here. Vicki Velasquez, thank you for being our guest today. Thank you. I, like I said, it's a, it's a, I consider it a great honor to be here. This, this podcast and this community has been very supportive to me along my journey, so I am very grateful to be here. So thank you so much. Awesome. I appreciate you helping to answer questions today. You can find more from Vicki over at vegetarianzen.com or the Vegetarian Zen podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you, Jen Rayow, as well for being here. Thanks. I love I love being here. Thanks, Corbett. <laughs> awesome. As always, you can find links to everything that we talked about today over at fizzleshow.co. I'm Corbett Barr, and until next time, thanks for listening to The Fizzle Show. <laughs>